Good morning. Uh, my name is Eric. I get to be the pastor here. I want to say welcome. Let's try this. I'm excited to be here. How about you? All right. All right. Uh, it's amazing to think what can emerge from one person's mind and how they can impact the whole world. Think about Shakespeare and how many characters came from the mind of Shakespeare, like Romeo and Juliet, and how that impacted the world. Think of people like Beethoven and the music that he wrote that we still listen to today. Think about uh, Walt Disney and how, you know, Mickey Mouse and all those characters and how the world has been changed because of Walt Disney. Think about Steve Jobs and how he changed the whole music industry by inventing iTunes and then changed the whole communications industry because of the iPhone. It's really amazing what can come from just one person's mind and how it can really change the world. Well, during this series that we're kicking off today, we're going to look at the brilliance of, Je- of Jesus. We talk a lot about his love and his grace, but I think it's good, too, to talk about the genius of Jesus. Well, what do I mean by the genius of Jesus? That's what we're going to be looking at for this series. Let me throw a question at you. Did Jesus ever call another person a sinner? Did Jesus ever call someone a sinner? I know it seems like a weird question, right? Because like out of all the people who ever lived, he's the one person who could look at someone and be like, hey, you're a sinner because he was perfect and we're not. So it had to be Jesus who went around calling people, you know, hey, you sinner. Wrong. (laughs) Seriously, Jesus never called someone a sinner. Not once. He never did it. Maybe this week you want to grab your Bible, read through the Gospels, and prove me wrong. I'd throw that challenge out to you. Uh, You might want to double check. Uh, I might even do it again because this uh, raised in church self still can't believe it. that Jesus never called someone a sinner. Uh, But it's 100% true. So does that mean Jesus never talked about sin? Well, that's not true. In fact, as we've been working through the Gospel of Luke for about the last year, and we're getting ready to wrap it up, it's obvious that Jesus talked about sin, and he confronted sin a whole lot. However, he, he, never, he never backed down from pointing out the obvious to those who were struggling with sin. He never, you know, didn't use the word sin and instead used the word, oh, it's just a, a weakness or, you know, a bad habit for sin. In fact, for someone who didn't call people's, people sinners, he sure talked a lot about sin. And that, my friends, is the genius of Jesus. Today we're going to look at the story of someone who everyone else called a sinner, but Jesus simply called him by his name. Everyone else called him a sinner, but Jesus just called him by his name. I wonder, what has everyone else called you? Maybe sinner? Maybe lazy? Maybe cold emotionally? Maybe overly emotional? Maybe fat? Maybe workaholic? I want you to know that today, Jesus is calling you by name. He's not labeling you sinner. Would you join me in prayer as we dive into today's word? God, I thank you that you call us by name. And God, you call us to you. And you don't label us sinner. But God, you just welcome us. And so God, I pray that this morning as we dive into your word, uh, that our hearts, our minds would be open and illuminated. God, that these would be your words, not mine. Uh, that I would be clear. And God, we thank you for Luke who wrote down these words for us so that we could know what you are like. 
In your name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're back in the book of Luke. We took a little pause last month as we went through some of the Beatitudes. But we're in Luke 19. We've been traveling through the Gospel of Luke for about the last year or so. And uh, we're going to wrap that up in this series culminating on Easter Sunday. Uh, Luke 19, verse 1. If you want to follow along on your smartphone, uh, or else the scriptures will be here on the side screens. Um, Or you can uh, just trust me. Uh, Luke 19, verse 1 through 10. He, uh, Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. That's a town he's passing through on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus in his final journey on his way to the cross, on his way to Jerusalem, where he's going to die on the cross for our sins. And so this series is going to lead us all the way to the cross and resurrection Sunday on Easter. I'm so excited about this journey that we're going to be taking now over these next couple of weeks. It's going to culminate on Easter Sunday. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Zacchaeus is both wealthy and powerful. He's not just a tax collector. We read he's a chief tax collector. Now, people in general, but I think especially men, uh, are prone to worship Money and power. Let's take a, a quick poll here. If you had to vote, uh, how many would you prefer, money or no money? Money? Hands up? Yeah, okay. How about power? Power versus no power. Power? Yeah, most, most of us. Yeah, right? Most of us, that allure of money and power really pulls at us. People in general, but especially us guys, when given the option, we prefer money and power. Well, that's Zacchaeus. And he was a crook and a thief with his own kind of a Ponzi scheme. How many of you remember Bernie Madoff? And how he had this kind of Ponzi scheme where he stole all this money from people who were trying to invest. He ripped people off. That's Zacchaeus. He ripped people off. He was powerful. He was very rich. But today we're going to see him meet Jesus and how his life changes with his relationship beginning with Jesus Christ. Well, in this kind of Ponzi scheme that the Roman government had set up, the Roman government at this point had conquered God's people and they're ruling over them. And so they would take some of those who were Jewish and they would appoint them to be tax collectors. And these were traitors. We put them today in the same category as pimps or drug dealers. This is the worst of the worst. These are people who betrayed their own religion, their own countrymen, their own God, to become tax collectors. And the way this kind of Ponzi scheme worked is you would collect money for the godless Roman Empire, and anything you could extort beyond what they asked you to collect was yours to keep. So basically your job was extortion. And you'd have to pay a percentage up the pyramid to the guy at the top, the kind of the head of the Ponzi scheme. And who is that? Well, Zacchaeus, he's he's one of those. He's not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. He's a very powerful man. He's probably bankrupted people. He's seized people's possessions. He's broken people's hearts. He's rich. He's loaded. He's a guy with a nice vacation home, a staff to serve him, only eats the finest foods, only drinks the finest wines. But to pay for all that, he's seizing people's assets and their cars and bankrupting people, taking their retirement accounts and their children's college funds as he's ripping people off. That's who Zacchaeus is. He is not a good person. Now, here's what we know about him. He's very rich, he's very powerful, and he's very little. (laughs) I kind of picture him looking like the actor Danny DeVito. How many of you guys know Danny DeVito? Yeah, that's how I picture him. So when we're going through this story, I want you to picture Danny DeVito whenever we read Zacchaeus. He's a little guy. He's a rich little guy. I need you to get a picture of him. And this rich little Danny DeVito is there, and he wants to see Jesus because Jesus is coming through. And so 
Zacchaeus does a few things that a rich man in this culture, and really ours, would never do. Number one, he runs. And men, we, we don't really run, right? Like, we have kind of like three exceptions. Like, if we're training for some marathon or something, then we can run. If we stole something or run it away, right? Or if there's like a rabid dog, we got to get away from that dog. Like, we can run on those occasions. But otherwise, we're not like kids. We're not just like running back and forth like all day, right? And Zacchaeus is probably wearing a robe. That's what rich men of that day would have worn. And he would have had to hike up that robe above his knees, uh, like a little squirrel girl running through the field. Uh, so picture Danny DeVito in a big robe with his robe hiked up above his knees running. That's, that's our man, Zach, here. So Jesus is coming, and Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. But he's such a wee little man that he can't see over the heads of all the other people. Shout out to all my short people, like my wife. She's not in here today. She says she's 5'1", but she's really five foot flat. Um, and she's kind of like Zacchaeus here. Uh, so he runs ahead. He can't see over everyone. So what does he do? He climbs a tree, right? Like, men, we don't often climb trees, especially rich business people. Picture Danny DeVito, big robe, hiked up above his knees, climbing a tree, all right? And that's just awesome, because I just, that thought of Danny DeVito in a tree with a robe on is just fantastic, I think. Uh, Luke, our author, he, he's just a great writer. So imagine some famous person is coming to Maple Grove, and, and you're trying to get a look, and you look up in a tree, and there's Bill Gates. Like, hey, I just wanted to get a look. Like, what? Like, that's, that's kind of the story here. That's exactly what happens with Zacchaeus. He does what a respectable, dignified businessman would never do. He hikes up his robe, he runs, he climbs a tree because he's a wee little man. And then Jesus passes by. The question is, what is Jesus going to do with Zacchaeus, the sinner, this guy who's been extorting and cheating people? How is Jesus going to respond to this guy when he sees him? How would you respond to see someone who's cheated out people from their life savings, who's extorted people? A rich, powerful, but evil person. How is Jesus going to respond to this guy? And what's funny is Zacchaeus' name literally means the righteous one. His name means the righteous one. So everyone who had known him would be like, yeah, he's the furthest thing from what his name means. He is not righteous in any way. That's like calling Charlie Sheen the sober one, right? Like, no, that, that, that doesn't line up. Uh, it's like, really? And so his name kind of betrays his character. But we're going to see that Jesus is going to change everything. And by grace through faith, Jesus is going to make him what his name says he is. That's the genius of Jesus. Luke 19.5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up in the tree. There's Danny DeVito. And said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. One of the things I love about Jesus is that Jesus has a sense of urgency. Amen? He has a sense of urgency. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. I'm an urgent guy. I like to walk fast. I like to talk fast. Uh, I have a sense of urgency in my life, and I would never do well down south where everyone's slow and laid back. Uh, but Jesus has a sense of urgency. So Jesus looks up in a tree and says to Zacchaeus, hurry on down. I must come to your house today, today, today. Jesus is on his way to the cross. He's on his way to accomplish the mission that he's come for. But he's like, before I do that, you and I need to meet. He's on his way to do something important. The reason he's come. But he looks up. There's Zacchaeus, Danny DeVito in the street. He's like, come on down. We have to meet right now. Today. Today. Right now, Jesus might be calling out to you. Maybe you've been putting off this decision of, am I going to follow Jesus or not for a while? I want to tell you, have a little sense of urgency. We don't know what the future holds. And we need to be urgent. Because tomorrow is going to get here sooner than we think. 
Before you know it, your kids are going to be grown up. Before you know it, you're at the end of your life and you're going to look back and say, what did I live for? We need to live with a sense of urgency. And here's what Jesus does, friends. He calls Zacchaeus by name. He calls him by name. That's really important. We don't know how he knew Zacchaeus' name. Maybe the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. Maybe Zacchaeus was so notorious that everyone knew who this guy was. Kind of like the notorious Z-A-C. We don't know. But Jesus sees him and calls him. Thank you for that one laugh. Thank you. <laughs> notorious B-I-G. There, he's the opposite. Anyways. Um, all my 90s kids. Biggie Smalls. There you go. But he calls him by name. He's like Zacchaeus. He calls him by name. And friends, that's what Jesus always does. Is he calls us by our name. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, he's called you by name. Out of all the billions of people on the earth, he knows you. He knows all about you. He knows all the hairs on your head, which for some of you is not that many. But Jesus knows the hairs on your head. For some of you, it's not a lot of work. But he knows those things. And Jesus still is calling us by name. If you're here today and you're not yet a follower of Christ, which we have a number of people here who are exploring the claims of Jesus and that we love that. We want you to think this is a safe place in our small groups to ask questions, to say, who is this guy, Jesus? I kind of heard about him growing up in my church I went to, but I didn't really understand him. And so now we're so glad that you are here with us asking questions, getting to know who Jesus really was as we walk through the Gospel of Luke. Maybe this morning Jesus is calling out to you by name. And he wants to know you, the same that he wanted for Zacchaeus. And when Jesus calls Zacchaeus, he calls him into friendship. And he does it openly and publicly. He says, Zacchaeus, in front of everyone, I'm coming to your house today. Now, for you and me, this might seem kind of rude in 21st century culture. I mean, it's Jesus is like, hey, I'm coming over to your house for lunch. And I'm bringing 12 of my disciples with me. There's going to be 13 of us. And we like to eat because we're young men. You know, it's like, what? What am I going to do? But here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is telling Zacchaeus, I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. Because going to someone's home and having a meal with them in that culture, just like ours, that's an act of friendship. That's why we believe it's so important that if you are part of a church, you need to be in that pastor's home at least once. Share a meal with him. Share a meal with me. So that's why we do starting point at my house. It's taco lunch. There's something about sharing a meal with someone in their home. You can get to know them in a way unlike any other. Do you think Zacchaeus had a lot of people coming over to his house for dinner? Probably not. He probably eats these really good, rich meals by himself. Uh, me and some of our staff had the chance to go down to, to Orlando, Florida for a conference. It was awesome. And one of the benefits and perks was Monday night, uh, our, dis, our, uh, our fellowship of churches that we're a part of, well, what they did was they took us out for dinner at Fogo de Chao. How many of you guys have been to Fogo de Chao or a Brazilian steakhouse like that? So good. What they do is you just have a plate and they just walk by with racks of meat on skewers, and they just carve off more and more until you're just, you got meat coming out of your eyeballs and your ears. And uh, what I picture Zacchaeus is he's got that experience, but he's by himself. And every night, like, the servers are coming by, and they're carving off meat, and he's got this amazing meal. He's very rich. He's very powerful. But he's all alone. He's at Fogo de Chao by himself. No one else is there with him. And that's kind of Zacchaeus' life. He's got all the good stuff, but he's got no people in his life, no community, no fellowship. But Jesus says, you know what? I'm coming to your house today. I'm bringing 12 of my closest friends with me. And he does it in front of a crowd. In front of the whole crowd, he says, guess what? I'm going to Zacchaeus' house. Now, those few people who maybe were friends with Zacchaeus, they probably weren't very public about it. Like, they probably weren't checking in on Facebook. Like, uh, I'm here at Zacchaeus' house, chief tax collector, right? 
You probably wouldn't do that because all the internet trolls and all the religious people would be getting on your case. Why you've been with that guy? He's a horrible person. He defrauded me out of all, all my money. So it's not a very popular thing probably to be friends with Zacchaeus. And even if you were, you wouldn't tell anyone. But Jesus is telling everyone, Zacchaeus is now my friend. I'm going to his house. We're going to share a meal together. We're going to hang out. I want to know him because I love him. I think that's amazing. Jesus doesn't do it quietly, but in front of everyone. He says, I know you, and I want to be your friend. And this is what Jesus does for sinners. He calls us by name, and he invites us into friendship. In John 15, Jesus tells us he is our friend. Don't overlook this. Jesus is, yes, Lord, God, Savior, King, Sovereign, the Christ. He's also our friend. He's not just our Savior and our leader. He's a person we get to know. Jesus wants to eat with you. He wants to speak with you. He wants to help you. Jesus is a friend to us. Isn't that amazing? It's so amazing to me that God would become a man, that he would invite his enemies to be his friends and be willing to eat with us and to spend time with us and through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to never leave us or forsake us. And that's exactly what's happening here with Zacchaeus. Let's read on. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down the tree. <laughs> And received him joyfully. And when they, the crowd, saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Like, Jesus, why is he going to this man's house? He's a sinner. I want us to know two responses here. First, Zacchaeus' response. He's like, yes, Jesus, I would love to be your friend. You want to eat with me? Let's go right now. Zacchaeus is so glad that God cares for him. So he receives the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. The crowd, though, they're not too happy about this. They're not all tweeting out, you know, yay, Zacchaeus got saved. We're so excited. Instead, they're all grumbling. That means they're talking about Zacchaeus, not to Zacchaeus. They're talking about Jesus, not to Jesus. They're gossiping and grumbling. Some Christians like to call this sharing a prayer request. <laughs> Come on. What do they say? He's a sinner. They're not calling him by name. He's a sinner. You can just hear the smug religious undertone going on here. What they're saying basically is we're better than he is. What they're saying is, well, of course God loves us. We're pretty lovable. Of course God can forgive us. Our sins aren't bad, that bad compared to his sin. His sin is so much worse than mine. It's a good thing we never do that today, right? I want to ask you a tough question. Who, if God saved and forgave them, would cause you to grumble? The person who abused you, ripped you off? harmed you, betrayed you, cheated you, divorced you, hit you, lied about you, or fired you? How would you respond if God loved and saved them? See, the key friends knows this, is that in sight of God, we're all guilty. And that God would call any of us and love any of us and forgive any of us. Well, that's a miracle. And that's the genius of Jesus. We want to be a church that rejoices when anyone responds to the invitation from Jesus to be friends with him and have their sins forgiven. Amen? No one is too far gone, too evil, too broken to receive the love and forgiveness of Jesus. Some of you today are wondering, could Jesus really call me to be his friend? You don't know what I've done, Eric. You don't know what's been done to me. Some of you are just all too aware of the way that you've failed and the way that you've messed up again and again. We get so much hope and encouragement from the story of Zacchaeus. 
It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's been done to you. Jesus calls out to you, and he will welcome you as a friend, and he will forgive you of any and all sin. That's exactly what he does for Zacchaeus. That's what he does for me. That's what he does for all who are followers of Jesus. And here's the underlying problem with the crowd who's grumbling. See, they're thinking that Jesus is just going to forgive Zacchaeus, and all the evil and injustice that he's done is going to be swept under a rug, and there'll be no justice. But it's so important to know God is both a God of love and justice. Here's the key. Repentance plus restitution equals rejoicing. Repentance plus restitution equals rejoicing. We're going to look at those three things here. Uh, The first part, repentance. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Here's what happens. Zacchaeus is guilty. He knows it. Everyone knows he's guilty. But Jesus forgives him. And everyone kind of starts to grumble. Like, That's not fair. But the truth is, Jesus not only forgives people, he changes them. Jesus not only forgives people, he changes them. See, religious people don't get that. How could he forgive him? Don't you know what he did? But Jesus doesn't just forgive us, he changes us. And so Zacchaeus indicates he's coming to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. He calls Jesus his Lord. Now to you and me, that may not seem like a big deal because we use that language all the time. But in this culture, as an employee of the Roman Empire, he would have had to pledge, Caesar is Lord. But here, as an employee of the empire, you're saying, you know what? My allegiance is no longer to the Roman Empire. My allegiance is now to this carpenter from Nazareth, the Messiah. Caesar is no longer my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. The shortest doctrinal statement in the whole Bible is, Jesus is Lord. Above all people, above all kings, above all kingdoms, Jesus above all. Our creator God, our savior, and our friend. So Zacchaeus looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, this shows us something has changed in his heart and in his allegiance. He now serves Jesus. He belongs to Jesus. He knows Jesus. He loves Jesus above all. And Jesus forgives him and changes him. And we see the fruit of that. See, Christianity isn't do whatever you want to do and God will forgive you. Just keep doing and messing up as much as you want and God will forgive you. That's not the heart of Christianity. So Christianity is this. You and I start out doing life, whatever we want to do. And honestly, making a mess of everything. Then you meet Jesus. You realize how sinful and broken you are. And you realize you need Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And because you've met Jesus, you don't want to continue to keep sinning. Because something happened deep inside you. Jesus changed you. And he's changing you. This word for repent is the Hebrew word teshuva. We've talked about this before. Because Jesus will call people towards repentance. And this idea of teshuva is this idea that you're out walking in the woods and all of a sudden you've been on this path and before you know it, you've wandered off the path and now you look around and you're in the middle of the wilderness. You don't know how you got there, but you know you're not where you're supposed to be. And to teshuva means to turn around and go back to where you're supposed to be. That's what repentance is. See, when we're walking towards sin, our back is towards Jesus. But Jesus calls us to repent, to teshuva, to turn around, to turn our back to sin, and to walk towards Jesus. Jesus calls that being born again. 
You become a new person. You have a new power through the Holy Spirit. You have a new Lord in Jesus. You have a new authority in Scripture. You have a new nature with new desires. You don't want to keep living the way you used to live. You want to change. You want to be different. You want to be like Jesus. Not so that he'll love you because he already loves you. Not so that he'll forgive you because he's already forgiven you. Not so that God will be pleased with you, but because Jesus has already called you his friend. And the results of meeting Jesus shouldn't be religion. It should be rejoicing. It shouldn't be trying to just do the best we can so we don't mess up. It's turning our backs towards sins and our faith towards Jesus because of our relationship with him. And so here, Zach publicly repents in front of the crowd and acknowledges, I have been a sinner, I have sinned, I need to make it right. Repentance says there's Jesus and there's sin. You can only go in direction towards one at a time. Maybe this morning you need to repent of something. Maybe your life has been heading in a certain direction, you've been heading towards this sin, and you realize... My back is towards Jesus. I need to tshuva. I need to turn. I need to walk towards Jesus. That's what Zacchaeus is going to do here as he repents. Number two, here's what we're going to, Jesus is going to teach us through the life of Zacchaeus. Repentance needs to culminate in restitution. Repentance needs to culminate in restitution. Now, this is an idea, honestly, I don't think we talk about a whole lot in church. Zacchaeus has sins of omission. We've talked about this. You haven't done the right things you're supposed to do. He hasn't helped out those that are less fortunate than him. He also has sins of commission. He has defrauded others. He has stolen. And so his repentance needs to lead to restitution. And that's exactly what he does here. Immediately, as a brand new person, he does something he's never done before. He publicly confesses his sin. He publicly practices repentance. And he also guarantees restitution. Now let me say what restitution is not. Restitution is not penance. Penance is the false teaching that you've done something wrong and you need to pay God and others back so that you can be forgiven. That's not what this is. That is not the teaching of Jesus. Restitution is not karma or reincarnation where you've got to pay off the debt so that you can be forgiven. Restitution has nothing to do with being forgiven in the sight of God. Restitution is evidence that you've received God's forgiveness and have repented of your sin. You tracking with me? Is this making sense? Let me say it this way. God forgives you, but what if you've really harmed other people. Your new nature as a new person should be to do all that you can to right your wrongs, to help those you've harmed, to pay back those that you've ripped off. Not so that you'll be acceptable in the sight of God, but because Jesus has called you his friend and you want to be a friend as he's been a friend to others. That's what restitution is. Restitution is not works. It's not karma. It's not penance. It's justice. It's doing the right thing. And so Zacchaeus says, for my sins of omission, for not helping the poor, I'm going to give half of all my assets to those that are less fortunate than me. Half is a lot. 50% tithe. Even if he's a multimillionaire, half is a lot, right? This is showing that Jesus has changed his heart from stinginess to generosity, from trying to get all that he can get to giving away as much as he can get. And he says, now, regarding those I've defrauded, he knows he has defrauded people. And he's essentially saying, come meet with me. Tell me how I've wronged you. Tell me how my employees down the the Ponzi scheme have ripped you off. And if I've ripped you off, I want to pay you back. No. Exactly what he did? No. Four times as much as he's ripped you off. That's what he wants to pay you back. Is that restitution? Yeah. That's like a friend of yours borrows your, like, Hyundai, you know, 1999, you know, sedan. And, like, he never brings it back. You're like, man, he borrowed my Hyundai. He never brings it back. And then you get a phone call one day, and your friend's like, I met Jesus. He changed my heart. I want to make things right. So I parked a brand-new BMW in your driveway. 
Like, yay team Jesus, right? Like, that would be awesome. Like, that would be great. That's what Zacchaeus is doing here. He's like, I took your Hyundai, I'm giving you a BMW. Like, that's amazing. And that's, restitution leads to rejoicing. See, what's happening here is Zacchaeus comes down from his tree. He has a party at his house. Jesus and his disciples come over and they're rejoicing. They're making this statement public. And so when Zacchaeus is telling everyone, hey, if you've cheated, if I've cheated you, I'm going to pay you back four times what I stole from you. What do you think people are going to do? Just picture this. You got like, this married couple, and they're like, sweetheart, you remember Zacchaeus? He's like, the guy who stole all our college savings and all our money because in this scheme, and he ripped us off and all this stuff. Of course I remember that guy. You never believe it. He met Jesus, and Jesus changed his heart. And now Zacchaeus says he's going to give us back four times the amount of money that he stole from us. It's like, praise Jesus. That's amazing, right? All because Jesus invited Zacchaeus into a relationship, and that led to repentance, that led to restitution, and that led to a whole lot of rejoicing. And that, my friends, is the genius of Jesus. He didn't look at Zacchaeus up, up in that tree and say, Hey, you sinner, you are evil. You are so wrong. But by seeing Zacchaeus, or maybe everyone else averted their eyes, by calling him by name, and inviting him into friendship, Jesus changed not just his life, but I think he changed that whole town. He changed the whole community. On his way to the cross, Jesus changes a whole community through changing one person's life. See, Jesus invites each and every one of us into a relationship with him. And that leads to turning and repenting. We've been heading down this path towards destruction to making a mess of our lives and saying, like, you know what? I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I need to turn around. I need to put my back towards sin. I need to put my face towards Jesus. And as Christ changes our heart, we make restitution. Not because we want to earn salvation or get things right with God, but simply because we realize that we have been blessed to be a blessing. And the end result of that should be a whole lot of rejoicing. I want to challenge you. We're in the season now. We've got four weeks from today is Easter. Easter is a great time where people are a little bit more spiritually receptive to things. Whether you've been coming for two years since we've been around, or you're brand new, and whether you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, or you're still just kind of checking things out. If you feel like being a part of this community, being a part of this family is beneficial, if it's helpful, if you are learning and growing and experiencing friendship, I want to encourage you, who can you invite? See, Jesus invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house. He invited himself into Zacchaeus' life. And it changed Zacchaeus' whole world. Who can you invite? That maybe when they meet Jesus, their whole world will be changed. Even if you're still not entirely sure, grab someone to come with you. Hey, come with me. On Easter Sunday in my church, we're going to talk about just the story of Jesus. And I want you to hear, not someone who calls us sinner, who calls us by name, who invites us into friendship. We want to be a blessing to our community. We want people to experience community, friendship, purpose, life. And as they do that, we want them to feel like they can belong here. I like to say you can belong even before you believe. But ultimately, at some point, 
We need to have a sense of urgency to say, at some point, we're going to choose to follow Jesus or follow our own path. And ultimately, we want everyone to find belief in Jesus Christ because we truly believe that's the best way to live. Not with ourselves on the throne of our lives, but Jesus in charge of our lives. Because he created us. He designed us. He knows the best way for us to live. But I can't just stop at belief. See, Jesus then gives us the directive to go be bringers. Bringers of blessing. Bringers of belonging. Bringers of belief. And honestly, that's why Pastor Nate and I and the rest of the staff and the leaders here, that's why we're here. So that we can help you be bringers of blessing. We can help you be bringers of belonging and belief. And one simple way to do that is to invite someone to come with you to Easter services. We want to pack this place out, not because we care about numbers, because we believe there's people out there like Zacchaeus who've been told maybe you're a sinner. You're not worthy of being here. People who feel broken and lost and alone. And we say, man, you got to meet the real Jesus. The Jesus who doesn't call you sinner, but he calls you by name. He calls you into relationship. And you can find forgiveness and hope and peace. I'm going to invite the band up. Uh, would you stand with me? And we're going to close in prayer. God, I thank you for the story of Zacchaeus that shows us that even on the way to the cross, you are always looking for those that are overlooked, those who have been called sinners and have done horrible things. And God, you look past our sin to see us, and then you invite us into a relationship. God, I thank you for that. God, I want to pray for those who have not yet made the decision to follow you. God, that they would respond to that call. God, that they would, teshuva, they would repent, they would turn from following their own way in the path of sin and destruction. And God, they would turn towards you. And that God, then that would lead to a whole lot of rejoicing up in heaven and as well as here in this community. God, help us to be a place where we can be a blessing, that people can find belonging and ultimately belief in you. God, as, as we head towards Easter, I pray, God, that you would work in our hearts to be prepared, um, that, God, we'd be open to what you want to work in our hearts in these next couple of weeks. And, God, that our eyes and hearts uh, would be open to invite maybe a neighbor, a coworker, someone uh, close to us that maybe like Zacchaeus, we thought they'd never be interested in the things of God, but that we would invite them to come and to experience you. God, thank you uh, for your love and your grace in our lives. Amen. We're going to end our service with uh, receiving an offering. As Pastor Nate said, you can just drop that connection card off in the offering plates. Uh, we encourage everyone to fill those out and drop those off. If you're a first-time guest, we'll make a $5 donation to Charity Water uh, for those who fill out first-time guest cards. That's just an organization bringing clean drinking water to places around the world. They don't have access to it. So whether, whatever you think about Jesus and this whole thing, if you're a first-time guest, you can do a good deed this morning just by filling that out, dropping that off in the offering basket. 
if you want to know more about our partnership with Mobile Hope, which is an awesome organization, um, our youth group is going to be meeting that starting uh, tonight. You can talk to Pastor Nates. Um, he'd love to give you uh, more uh, uh, feedback on that and just how you can get involved. We want to be a blessing to our community. We, we want to continue to show people the love of Christ and, and that God loves them. Uh, and for those of you who are part of Mosaic, we want to just say thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you uh, for supporting the church. We could not exist without your generosity. We thank you so much. We thank you that Pastor Nate and I get a chance to do this full time because of your generosity. And so uh, you can give now. You can give online at any time on our website. Um, and uh, we're just going to go out of here singing. But this week, may you know that Jesus calls you by name. He doesn't know you by your sin, but he knows you by your name. And may you look for opportunities to bring the love of Jesus wherever you go with you so that lives and hearts can be changed. Let's go out of here this week filled up with the knowledge that Jesus loves us, that he's for us, not against us. Let's sing about that great love as we receive the offering.